Two weeks ago we started on this subject in the evening service. Uh, Troy did last Sunday evening on seeing, and that was a good sermon there. And this evening we continue on the fear not, words of encouragement. Fear not, do not be afraid, do not fear. It's recorded in 26 uh, books of the Bible on 95 different occasions. We read a few of them there in Matthew this morning. Uh, Powerful words of encouragement not to fear with circumstances that are around us. Why shouldn't we fear? Well, last time we looked at because God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Every single one. Not one jot or tittle will fall from the law till all be fulfilled. Count on it. So far, absolutely correct. And we can count that on that in the future. And secondly, we looked at God knows our pain. God knows the things that we are going through and we're considering some some things along that line again today, but God knows our pain. And we looked at different characters who were in trouble and God was there. Thirdly, we looked at God knows our problems. He knows everything. He allows them to come. Uh, And we can see that from the example of many, many saints in Old and New Testament scripture. Then we looked at God senses our paranoia. God knows the troubles we are going through in the sense of our heart might be fearful, anxious, concerned, prayerless. (laughs) And last time we concluded with a thought from Romans 8, 24 to 27, there where we're told to have hope in the Lord and not to be a people that haven't got hope and we hope in his salvation and we pray. It goes on from hope to prayer. And that is in the context there of the the things concerning eternal security. Just before Paul starts saying there's nothing going to separate us from the love of God. We'll be close to that portion this morning. And so God senses our paranoia. Let's have hope and let's pray and uh, anchor our souls in God and his word. I remember many years ago when I was about 17, 18, going to some of the first jobs that I had to do with the, with the bulldozer. And uh, I'd looked at the job, surveyed the situation, and then it was going to start the next day. And, and this would happen sometimes every second day or every week. And before you went there, you were concerned, and, and even as a young person, not sleeping well, to thinking through the whole situation because no two jobs are the same. And, and being without experience as a young person then, uh, it was concerning. It was a, a fear that I had that I'd do the job right and uh, do it so it held. And I recall driving past a da- the first dam I ever put in. It's still there. It's 45, 46 years ago that I put it in and it's still there. It's all filled with reeds, but the cows are still drinking from it. And so it must have worked. (laughs) Another thought on fear is that recently I've been taking the stale bread or the bread that's way out of date and putting it out the back. And for a start there, there was 
heaps of sparrows, lots of doves. Um, <clears throat> there was some blackbirds turned up, and they were in droves. They were all over it and had devoured it in a, in a matter of minutes. They took the whole slice to themselves or to their to their young. <clears throat> but then magpies turned up in the trees behind us in the neighbour's yard, two, two nests of magpies with three in each, and the magpies turned up. And from that point on, the sparrows would come, they'd sit in the lemon tree and then I'd dart out and just take a, a beakful and get back to the lemon tree. And only one at a time, sometimes two. Same with blackbirds. They'd dart in and dart out and the doves hardly even turned up. But then there was a little... A little mouse I saw take off out under the wood heap, out of the wood box, and he darted out there, and even before he got to the bread, he turned around and ran back. And he was looking around. They were all looking around. They were full of fear, and I thought, fancy having to live your life like that when there's a predator like a magpie around. <laughs> you know, some Christians are like that. <laughs> they hardly get to the bread of the Word of God, and they dart back under for cover from the enemy. And from the circumstance and from the things that are happening. And that little mouse, he'd, he'd come darting out sometimes to the bucket of water that was there and he'd hide next to that and then he'd dart out. And I don't know if he got a mouthful, but boy, he was quick. I'd never seen him move so fast, but fearful. And today fear is gripping the hearts of people worldwide. Fear is being used by the politicians to bring in laws that one day I think all the countries are going to regret. Even in our own country and some states, southern particularly. <laughs> Fear is gripping the hearts of fellow Australians. They say that one million people have been for psychological counselling in Australia alone. That's 4% of the people have gone for mental help to those people that are uh, said to provide that. So <clears throat> fear is a big thing that governs some of our lives, that brings in laws. You know, it's always been said, and I said it not long ago, create a problem, solve the problem, get the power. And it's happening worldwide. <clears throat> There's a much worse thing to come. We read in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, and verse, verses 8 to 11, first of all. Luke 21, verse 8 to 11. And he said, the Lord Jesus, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of, the, of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by or yet. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences, <laughs> and fearful sights. And great signs shall be from heaven. Folks, this is talking about a time after Christians have gone, immediately after. 
Christians have gone. This is talking to those people left behind on this world to face the terrors of the great tribulation or the tribulation, the seven years. And the fear will be there. The (coughs) fearful signs, fearful things happening. We haven't seen anything as compared with what's coming, but there the word fear. And then just later in the same chapter of Luke 21, verse 25 to 28, we read, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity in the sea and the waves roaring, tsunamis, Uh, from the earthquakes we've already read about, and men's hearts failing them, men's hearts failing them for fear. If we have in our country 4% of the people fearful and needing help now, what's it going to be like then? I don't think there'll be anyone to go to because there'll be such turmoil and breakdown in society and the governance. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for the looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then they shall see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory and when these things begin to come to pass then look up and lift up your eyes for your redemption draweth nigh i know it's talking to the people in that period but if we see uh, things that are beginning to shape up in that manner then i think we should look up for our redemption redemption of our body The adoption of it into eternity is drawing very nigh. It's drawing very nigh. There was a devotion in our devotionals on the 5th of October, and I'm going to read this one to you because these devotions have been put together since the pandemic started in the world. And I read, The Lord promises incomparable peace, peace that passes understanding. Is that not amazing? But what does it mean and how do we have it? especially when the bottom seems to have dropped out of our world and we find ourselves reeling from the news that bombards us each day and from the danger that escalates almost moment by moment. In writing to the believers in Philippi, the Apostle Paul provided a list of three components that comprise a formula for experiencing the peace of God. They are, according to verse 6 in Philippians 4, do not worry, pray, about everything, and thirdly, be thankful for anything. These are the s- such simple rules, and yet we so often short-circuit the process, causing us to live in fear rather than in God's available peace. We read on, <clears throat> let us look at the three elements for a moment. First, do not worry. Worry is accepting responsibility that God never intended us to have. Conscious, deliberate refusal to trouble ourselves over what is not our responsibility must be our reply to the various troubles of life. You cannot fix them, but God can. Secondly, pray about everything. Yes, everything. Nothing's too small, too insignificant, too petty to take to our Heavenly Father, nor nothing too large to cast upon Him. And thirdly, be thankful for anything. You know, I say everything. <laughs> if some something comes from the hand of the Lord or is tempered by the heart of God, then it's for your good and for my good. Thank him that he has a purpose in it. Thank him for keeping up you in the midst of the trouble. Thank him that he will see you through. Let the Lord's spiritual 
military guard, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus and experience his peace that goes beyond human comprehension. And that is in the feature magazine on the 5th of October, a daily devotional guide that we use here. Fear not with all the troubles that come. Well, let's move to our first point, our fifth point in the sermon. God is wise to our predicaments. God is wise to our... He knows. He knows these things are happening. And here in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, we find the children of Israel, having come out of Egypt, uh, hemmed in at the Red Sea, mountains on either side of them, and the armies of Pharaoh behind them. And the armies of Pharaoh are approaching quickly. And Moses said unto the people, in verse 13, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show unto you today. For the Egyptians, whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Do you feel hemmed in? (laughs) No water, no food guaranteed. There's no crops, there's nothing around but desert. No armies, no armaments to fight this crowd coming up behind us. Hemmed in. And uh, you might feel like that at times. You know what? The Lord allows us to get into those situations that he might have us to grow, grow in trust, Grow in faith, grow in reliance upon his word and upon himself, upon his Holy Spirit. And so we find the people of God in their predicaments, fearing when they should not be fearing, they should just have, we should have the faith that God will provide our needs. God will get us out of this predicament. And if we had time to go back and could remember All the times we thought we were in such a predicament. How did I get into this? Why am I in this? And, uh, you know, this is the end of the world for me. If we could write a book, we could all write a book about all the predicaments that we found ourselves in. Sticky situations. Just like the children of Israel. Fear not. They were told not to. In um, Psalm 55, verses 3 to 8, this is a psalm of David. He's asking God to give ear to his prayer. And hide not himself from my supplication. In verse 3, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, <clears throat> for they cast in iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. And I think this might have been the occasion where that um, <clears throat> David was being hunted and hounded around by Saul, and he had 600 v- vagabonds with him, <laughs> uh, relying on him, and as a, a, a ragtag army, we might say, but that, boy, they, God was with them. <laughs> And he said, my heart is sore pained within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. He found himself in a predicament. And if you go around Israel on the cliffs, you find here and there there's caves up on the cliff face. And I imagine that David was probably with his men, 600, how can you hide 600? But anyway, he was hiding with them in these places. All over Israel as he's chased around, he's sore afraid. Terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. This is David. This is David to be the king. David to lead the children of Israel. 
he feared too and don't think we're above above him and his circumstances in life. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. And sometimes we might feel that way. Horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, notice his response here. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. For then I would fly away and be at rest. Do you feel like that sometimes? Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I could fly away like those doves at the back of our place eating the bread and this magpie comes down and has a... They almost slammed into the back window, the two of them. Magpie chasing dove. Well, the dove had wings and got away. And so David was saying here in his fearfulness and the things that overwhelmed him that I could just fly away from the situation and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah, there in the verses, in those verses. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. God knew that he was in this predicament. God was teaching and training him in all the things he faced, whether it be before his king, becoming king, and after he was king, and at the end of his life, he had to flee Jerusalem. You see, it doesn't stop. You think, oh, I'll get old enough and all this, all this will go away. <laughs> I'll, I'll retire one day and there'll be no things of, to fear, but a whole different set of circumstances come to us. And, uh, and, and different concerns. We know a lot more people and we're concerned for them. We pray for them. So God knows our predicament, each one of us, whether <laughs> it be David or whether it be Israel by the Red Sea. And then in the book of Job, chapter 10, verse 1 and 3, Ah, Job was in a predicament, wasn't he? And not only did he have the predicament, not did he have the devil and the the enemies inspired by the devil and the the problems he had in his mortal body, given by the devil, but he had these three miserable friends. They're trying to give him counsel, and the counsel they gave him, Job, confess your sin. You've done something real bad for this to come upon you. And Job's, I haven't, I haven't. You remember what the Lord said in the first chapters? There is, have you considered my servant Job a righteous and godly man? You see, we're not going to be immune to the problems that come to us. We have to have the right reaction toward them. In Job 10, he said, my soul is weary of my life. He wanted to quit. And he'd been a rich man. He'd helped many people. He'd ministered to people. He'd given unemployed people jobs. And he'd helped his his family. And that all had uh, wives and husbands and properties and, and, and possessions. My soul is weary for my life. I will leave my complaint unto myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. So he's in quite a predicament here. Sick. In the ash heap, scraping his sores with the potsherds, the broken bits of pottery, scraping out the boils and that with them. Very unhygienic to us as we think of that. Three miserable friends telling him he sinned and he, he couldn't bring to mind any of those things. And he said, I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me why thou contendest with me. Do we not sometimes get in that predicament? And if you haven't been in a place of fearfulness or or dread or a place of overwhelming, then one day you will be. You see, 
the Lord said, if you judge somebody in a predicament and their response to, to it in fearfulness, one day it might come upon you. So watch out how severely you judge. And he's saying, God, you're contending with me. What is it? In verse 3, it is good unto thee thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thine hands. In me, Job, he's saying, the work of your hands, God. And shine upon the counsel of the wicked. It seems the wicked are prospering, and here I am who've done right, and all this, and woe is me. Don't we get to that place in our life? In this, these predicaments we find ourselves in, and we say, woe is me. Why is God doing this to me? I've done everything right. And all this wrong is coming upon me, all this dread, this, this occasion for fearfulness. And verse 11, I'll read the rest of it, Job 10, but verse 11, Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh, and hast fenced me in with bones and sinew. <laughs> he said, I'm locked in this body. I can't suicide. <laughs> I can't do anything like that. I can't get out of it. It's a painful place to be. I would just like, as he said earlier, fly away. Or like um, David said earlier, fly away. You've put me, you've hemmed me in. You see, we are inside a body. But the real us will take off one day when we die and we'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. He said, you've, you've you got me in this predicament, in this mortal body, and I can't, I can't escape. Go down to verse 15. And if I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet I will not lift up my head. I am full of confusion, therefore see thou mine affliction. And so Job was in this predicament. He said, I'm full of confusion. I don't know why. I've got no answers. These people that are counselling me, these three miserable friends, they can't give me the answer. I can't think through it. My wife's not helping me. What's going on? He's asking the Lord. And then we read in verse 20, Are not my days few? Cease then and let me alone, that I may take comfort a little. <laughs> he's saying, I can escape and get away from this. I, it's, it's like he's saying in that verse, in verse 20, I want to just crawl into a hole and die. That's what his situation, that's his predicament he found him, himself in. But read the rest of Job. Read the end of the Lord. As I think it was James, or was it Peter, said, uh, consider the mercy and goodness of the Lord on the end of Job's life, how that everything that he had and lost was doubled to him later on. And folks, we might be fearful, we might be overcome with dread, we might, under the circumstances, feel like these men did, these great men of God, these examples that are written for us. But God is faithful. Life doesn't go on in this mortal body for eternity. It will be unleashed and will be given a new body a new beginning, and as we've looked at in the morning service a couple of weeks ago, a, a regeneration of the, the whole creation and, and ourselves, a, an immortal body, <laughs> to fly away to be with the Lord. We don't finish there. We can go to Psalm 139. This is another Psalm of David in verses 1 to 3. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsittings, my uprisings. Thou understandest my understandest thou my thoughts are far off thou compass my path my lying down and unacquainted with all my grief God knows God knows our situation he knows the predicaments we are in 
And so trust in the Lord. He knows our downs and he knows our ups, our uprisings, our downsittings and uprisings. And so believe that by faith. We're not alone. God's not done yet with any of us. If we've still got life and breath, we're not done with in this mortal life, but we won't be done with because we're going to glory one day. 1 Corinthians 10.13 reads, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will with the temptation provide a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. God knows how far he can take you. And if you're in a real tight situation and in a real predicament, that's real. Sometimes we imagine the predicaments and we dramatize them in our minds, in our hearts, and we're overcome with our fear and failings, overwhelmed with these. Uh, God knows how far he can take us and he won't take us past, past that point. And we can return even in this mortal life. You think of another man that we respect and we read all the time of, if we're Christians. If we read the New Testament at all, we read his writings, Paul. In Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 10. And there are about four other occasions where he lists these things. But here he's, he said in verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of the trouble which came to us in Asia. He's going to tell the people what a missionary goes through, what a preacher goes through. You know, we think, oh, they're, they're, they're isolated, insulated, and they're all okay. No, there's fearfulness, there's troubles too on every side. And he said, in Asia, these troubles come. And we're pressed out of, we were pressed out of measure. This is Paul, pressed out of measure. Above strength, you've got no human strength left in this situation. In so much that we despaired even of life. We're not going to get through this. We're done. That's what he said, despaired of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. We thought we were gone as that we could not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And then verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver us in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Paul was saying, I think I've been here before. <laughs> I remember that. I thought I was dead and gone once before. You know, he has delivered us. He is delivering us and he will yet deliver us from any future troubles that come where fearfulness overcomes us. We were afraid in the walk of our life. And <clears throat> so Paul, the apostle, felt this way. Don't think we are going to be spared the problems of life. We will face them. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 4, even our Lord, we've gone through some great men, but he's the greatest of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God man. We read in chapter 12 of Hebrews, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. Folks, we can get off the path. We can be overcome. We can have troubles. And they beset us. They, they, they get us off track. They get us off the path of what God wants for us in our life. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider the Lord Jesus. He went through circumstances that would have had us melt before them. He knew what he was going to go through. He knew the consequences of bearing the sins of the world was death and separation from his father whom he'd never been separated from for those hours on the cross. For consider him, it reads in verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. He was only doing good. He was only teaching, teaching absolute righteousness. There was no sin in him. He was sent from the Father above as a gift of love to us. Yet consider that such, he endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds, ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. Because you're still kicking. You're still alive. You've still got breath. Consider him. The greatest of all examples that we have. He endured these things. Secondly, that's the first point. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock down there. <laughs> God strengthens us with his presence. Strengthens us with his presence. <laughs> Praise the Lord that he, he does this for us. You think of Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not. Nor be afraid of them, the Canaanites. For the Lord thy God, he it is who doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Remember God's presence. We can be in a predicament, but always remember God is present. And to Joshua, when he's going in to conquer the promised land with the people of Israel, been wandering in the desert, all the ones 20 and older had died off and now they were going in. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 we read, Then shall <clears throat> there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As it, I was with Moses, so I will be with thee, Joshua. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I will not fail thee. Remember that? He's still the same God to his people. He's one that doesn't fail nor forsake. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, folk, be strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do all according to the law. Stick to the book, stick to the truth, behave morally right. If, if, hey, look, if we Christians get off the track, we get our eyes off the Lord, we get away from the book, we don't have our devotions and we don't commit ourselves to the Lord, we don't pray and ask for his help, we're going to be fearful and afraid. Because we won't remember what the Lord can do and has done for people. Be courageous that thou mayest observe to do all according to the law that Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that they may prosper in whenever, whenever thou goest. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but shalt meditate therein day and night that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Joshua, stick to the book. Christian, stick to the book. Stick to the word. Don't be afraid. Don't say, well, the Lord's forsaken me. I'm taken off. And run. No. 
Stand. Having done all, Paul said, stand against the wiles of the devil. So he said that to them. He says it to us in Matthew 28, to the church in 19 and 20. The church is yet to be born, but this is... Something that he's instructed us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And at the end of the verse he said, and lo I am with you always. And that promise goes down through the ages to us today. He is with us, he will never forsake us. God strengthens us with his presence. In Hebrews 13 verse 5, the last part in verse 6 be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men shall do unto me. In Acts 18, and we haven't time to go there, but in Acts chapter 18 there, it speaks to us, or speaks to Paul. The Lord said, Paul, I am with thee. I am with thee. And hey, Paul had met the Lord. Paul had talked to the Lord at his salvation. Paul had uh, the, the, the gift of doing miracles. Paul had many wonderful things happen to him and through him. Yet the Lord had to say, Paul, keep it up. You know, this persecution, these troubles, and, and all men forsook him on occasions. Demas has forsaken me, and he's gone there, and he's gone there. They, they, it's too tough for him. And I'm left. Paul's, the Lord said to Paul, I am with thee. It's in Acts 18, 9 to 11. Um, <clears throat> like what's said over in Psalm 46 and verses 1 and following. Oh, uh, 46, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and this is pretty dramatic, this is a, a great shaking, we will not fear. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. This is a promise from the word of God. (laughs) And we read on. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. He is a refuge, a strength, and a help in the time of trouble. God strengthens us with his presence. And thirdly and lastly, God assures us of his preservation. So we've seen today, God is wise to our predicaments. He strengthens us with his presence. And now God assures us of his preservation. We could turn there as we've done to the others, but just telling you of it. In Judges chapter 6, verse 22 and 23 is Gideon threshing wheat, hiding, trying to thresh wheat, hiding. You you make a heap of dust when you do that, so, you know, somebody's going to see you. (laughs) The Midianites were after and suppressing and oppressing Israel. And the Lord come to Gideon and said, Peace be unto thee, thou shalt not die. God will preserve you. 
God will use you, but you've got to remain on the path. You've got to remain true to the Lord. You can't throw it in and run. And how many people have we known have, have ditched the Lord's work and taken off into the world like a demas? How many are doing that now? How many are not coming to church? Uh, they're fearful. And before this pandemic, they said the world's got more to offer me than God. No, you, you don't realise what you've just done if you've said that and taken off. You need to come back to the Lord. Come back to serve him. He's the one that preserves you, not ourselves. He's the one that keeps us in Judges 13.22. This is Manoah and his wife. This is um, Samson's um, parents. And the Lord had come to them and they'd met with him and they didn't realise until after he'd left, as it were. And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen the Lord. And the Lord said, No, 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 you're okay. You're not going to die. Because you've seen the Lord, as it says in John's Gospel one eighteen, no man has seen God at any time and lived. Well, there are certain ones that have, and God preserved them. Um, <clears throat> Jacob saw the Lord, and he thought, "Oh no!" In, Je- in Genesis thirty two and verse thirty. So, yes, we can see the Lord high and lifted up. We can see Him work in our lives, and we know that He preserves us. It's, it's a promise of scripture in John's gospel, chapter 10 and verse 27. The verses we well know as a sheep of the Lord. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never, never, never. It just says only one, but that's what it, to us, it never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father who gave them to me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand i and my father are one the preservation of the saints <laughs> the eternal security of the sinner that's been saved and as i mentioned i think it was wednesday night some people believe in eternal insecurity salvos are in that category and some Christians believe in that too. I'm not secure. Oh, I've sinned. Yeah, God knew you would. That's why he's given a way back to God through confession. He's given us a high priest who intercedes on our behalf and who forgives us our sins as we confess our sins, as First John 1 tells us to. We are eternal secure. Don't, don't think that because you've sinned, you've lost your salvation. You've just lost your sanctification and lost your fellowship with the Lord that you could have had if you hadn't sinned. Come back to the Lord. He's waiting with open arms as he did with the prodigal son. And one more that we can't go past. <laughs> and we conclude, I think, with this one, Romans 8, Romans 8, 35. The preservation of the saints. The whole of Romans 8, but Romans 8, the end of the chapter, he says, Who, no, yes, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, you know, reminds us of Job and David and all the, the Gideon, all those we've considered this morning, this evening, or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Folks, get used to it. It's a part of life. You know, some people throw up their arms at the first problem that comes as a Christian. Get used to it. The Lord went through these things. Are you any greater than he? 
We live in a fallen and a sinful world where the majority, probably 95% of people are not Christians and they're antagonistic, many of them vehemently so, against God and his word. Scientists, professionals everywhere are against the word of God. Politicians, a dead set atheist, uh, get used to it. <laughs> These things will come. Don't expect any different in, in Satan's territory where we walk in this fallen world. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Jesus loves us and guides us and holds us and carries us sometimes through these troublesome times. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, <clears throat> nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Huh. He preserves us. It will be for eternity. You, you can't get unhitched from the Lord if you're saved and walking with the Lord. He preserves, he preserves, he keeps us in the hollow of his hands, as, it's, as we've read in John chapter 10. <clears throat> in concluding, we quote from the Feature magazine again on the 15th of October. It is astounding how proud and self-sufficient men can be brought low by a microscopic virus. <clears throat> the humble child of God can trust a great God who is able to deliver from the noisome pestilence, destructive plague, that's in Psalm 91, verse 3. The Lord Jesus said that prior to the Great Tribulation, probably during the last half of Daniel's 70th week, the earth will experience great earthquakes, famines and pestilences like we started with, quoting from Luke 21. Our Saviour has told us beforehand that what will happen to our world one day, which has rejected the true and living God, Matthew 24, 25. As believers living in these last days, we have a wonderful hope. Before the tribulation arrives, we, have, we, will, we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And in the meantime, he will keep us. And if we die absent from the body present with the Lord, they've just been promoted to glory. If we, if we die, it's just, I, <clears throat> I'm, more, I'm concerned for people that are left behind if I go, you know, the family and the friends and the fellowship. Getting out of here is a promotion. And we ought to rejoice at the death of a saint that's lived a faithful life. Nothing will separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, which we just read in Romans chapter 8. Until then, <clears throat> nothing, <clears throat> not even a tiny infection, not even a little microscopic virus can separate us from the Lord. Our sovereign God controls every germ and every virus and every place it is on a stairwell, on a handrail, uh, on a shopping trolley, on a whatever, breathing it in, floating through the air. The Lord controls and is sovereign over these. Not one hair of your head can fall, fall apart from the knowledge of the Lord. Matthew 10. Remember, a virus can only attack the body. It can never harm the soul. Gaius ended, endured sorry, <coughs> poor bodily health, and yet his soul prospered, 3 John 2. The key is to make sure that all is well with our soul. God will take care of the rest. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And we'll make sure that we have everything we need, God will, to serve and honour him. As people panic around us, what a wonderful opportunity we have to point them. Look, we as the people of God should be so confident in our God that this pandemic is not affecting us at all. We're just actually it's affecting us in that we're having opportunity now to minister where we didn't have it before. People are opening up. People are talking. People are concerned and afraid who haven't the Lord. We have, let have us the, let's have the confidence to go out. Let us be ready to give an answer to every man that asks us for the reason of the hope that is in us. God bless you for listening to the word tonight. And uh, <clears throat> may we be blessed as we read the word and find full confidence in the Lord and in the faith we have in him. We conclude this evening with the singing of We Have an Anchor 265. Have you got an anchor? Are you a Christian? Are you sure you're saved? Secured, preserved, in the hand of God. If you haven't come to the Lord, trust in him. Confess your sin. Believe what he has done for you.